0: Hello everyone, Colin here with a quick content warning. Today's episode deals with a play that takes seriously questions of sex and consent. Sexual coercion and the after effects of incest, specifically as they pertain to the Arthurian myth, are very briefly discussed. With that noted, let's get into the discussion.
1: This is Hamlet to Hamilton Exploring Verse Drama. I'm your host, Emily C.A. Snyder. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 13 Poetry in Motion The Table Round and the Siege Perilous by yours truly, Emily C.A. Snyder. To be? To or be?
2: Not to be. To be or not to be? That is the
0: question.
1: Hello, friends. We have reached the last of our plays for this series, King Arthur Through the Ages, looking at King Arthur English language verse plays from 1589 to 2019 that feature Lancelot and Guinevere scenes. And uh, we're concluding chronologically with the most recent play, which is my own, The Table Round and the Siege Perilous duology. As always today and this entire season I want to give shout outs to Nick Ritako, who played Lancelot uh, through all these centuries, as well as to Colin Kovark, the co-creator of Hamlet to Hamilton, and our fantastic audio engineer sound designer, and King Arthur Mordred Agravain, stage directions, all the things this season. A reminder that today is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. That's a site where you can give monthly support at a number of different levels and get exciting bonus things, such as the episode that we dropped just this past week, which was the full interview with Daniel James Roth, Benedetto Robinson, and Grace Bardsley, who gave their insight into Daniel James Roth's also 2019 verse play that we listened to last week, The Tragedy of King Arthur. So if you would like to support us, if you would like to get bonus stuff, you can head on over to patreon.com backslash hamlet to hamilton. Thank you so much to all our supporters. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little different because While we will, as always, be reading the text and then be talking about what we found in the text, this particular piece we're rather more intimately involved with. So rather like the bonus episode that was dropped on our Patreon, where you got to hear a little bit from the playwright and actors who knew him, today is also going to have quite a bit more about the performance history of how The Table Round and The Siege Perilous came to be. Since Nick originated the role of Lancelot for me, and since I not only write my own work, but also direct and produce it, um, for me, it's important to sort of finish the text in its physical sense. And I've been doing this, uh, I realized recently, since I was 12 years old, one month away from being 13, but technically 12 years old. Which is, frankly, insane that adults trusted me that young. (laughs) But uh, as a consequence, I've found that the writing on the page, for me, is only finished once I also write it physically on the stage in collaboration with actors. So, thank heavens we have Colin with us who will give us more insight into the verse itself. And I also want to invite you listeners to feel free to be critical. And one of the things that I also invite you to do is to, in fact, take a look at the text. Because while everything that we have looked at up to this point has been in some form, with the exception maybe of Hovey, but has been in, in iambic pentameter, whether to good effect or William Shatner type effect, as in with, God bless him, Stark Young. But everything has been aiming to be an iambic pentameter. And The Table Round and The Siege Perilous makes use more of the things we talked about in season one. It makes use of different meters. It makes use of free verse. It makes use of white space. It makes use of... um white space for long pauses, it makes use of stage direction, all sorts of different tricks that we may not have seen textually. And while I firmly advocate for all of this, I do want you to be able to look at it and to make your own decisions about whether this form of verse drama is something that you want to experiment with and how well we used it or what improvements you might make or what lessons you might learn or what you might discard, whatever it may be. But the point is that today's text will look slightly different um, than the text that we've been reading up to this point, so it's worth taking a look at. As always, we have the texts over on hamlettohamilton.com so that you can read along with it. These plays, this duology, you can also find on New Play Exchange in a PDF so that you can read the whole thing. I also will be dropping the entire script for patrons over on Patreon uh, so that you don't have to be part of New Play Exchange. If you want to read it, you can be part of our Patreon and you'll have access to the entire script as it stands in its draft right now. A reminder that we are going to take a little hiatus between Seasons 2 and 3, and Season 3, hopefully, if we are funded and rested up enough in the new year in 2022— should be about scenes and soliloquies, including something called stichomythia, which you may have heard that word floating around in the ether before. Now, if you're very clever, you've already looked it up and know exactly what it is. But we are going to be talking about stichomythia in this episode, and we're going to be talking about it uh, considerably in season three in regards to scenes and soliloquies because it is one of the best tools in your tool boudoir. Stichomythia goes beyond shared lines. Stichomythia is basically either the repetition of a word or of like a word pattern between two or more characters. A good example of full line Stichomythia, so each line of verse, it's not shared, um, each character gets one line of verse, is in Hamlet, the closet scene with Hamlet and Gertrude, which begins, Hamlet, thou hast thy father much offended. And then Hamlet retorts, mother, you have my father much offended. So Hamlet, thou hast thy father much offended. Mother, you have my father much offended. And then this next line is Gertrude. Come, come, you answer with an idle tongue. Hamlet, go, go, you question with a wicked tongue. So in this case, we have the same sort of lingual pattern, but then certain words will be replaced. So you're sort of picking up verbally what the other person is putting down. Um, Another way to think of it is that you ring all the changes. So you can do this with a full line of verse. You can do it with two lines of verse and two lines of verse. You see that in Richard III a lot. You can also do it with short parts of a line. You see that in the wooing scene of the taming of the shrew. And I think you will hear that in this scene. Again, sort of the exchanging of words or like following one word down through a scene uh, where you sort of ring all the changes on on what that word means, where you're picking up what the other person is putting down. So that's stichomythia in very brief. We'll be talking about it more, but I did want to give you a definition since we use the word fairly freely in our upcoming conversation without ever once defining it, and we never want you, dear listener, to be sitting there and going. Am I supposed to know this word? I don't know this word. No, in fact, we have not talked about this word until now. And now you know. The more you know. (laughs) With that, we're going to jump right into today's conversation. It will be a longer episode. Um, And it's, again, it's going to be a slightly different episode Because you're going to hear how we did it. You're going to hear a little bit more about the performance history as well as looking at the verse. And as we have spoken about before, I do think the performance history is important. Um, I'm currently listening. I'm going to plug a podcast. They have not paid me, but they're fantastic. The Beyond Shakespeare Company podcast. Give them a listen. They look at everyone who isn't <clears throat> a certain bard uh, from the early modern period, and um, it's it's fascinating stuff. But one of the things that they'll often talk about is what is the performance history of this or that play? What was happening? What do we suppose might be happening? And there's a lot of guesswork that goes on in the scholarship around early modern verse plays, by which I mean the verse plays of like the fifteen and 1600s. And we can actually, as mentioned last time, give you an insight into how the plays that are being written now in our actual modern time, in our contemporary time, all these words are not helpful as time continues on and everything that was modern now becomes ancient. So, But in 2021, 2022, and in this new 21st century, in this brave new world, we can capture for generations to come a little bit of what went into creating these scripts. So you're going to be hearing quite a lot of that and not just talking about what we see in the verse. I will suggest that Uh, I don't know that I have the answer to everything. There's about even what I did in the verse. There's one part where Colin asks me a question uh, about something in the text, and it's a question that I'm still pondering as a writer, going, ooh, do I need to codify that for myself? What do I mean by that? Why did I use that? So the questions that you have— the qualifications that you ask for means that research can be done. We can learn more about this form. Uh, we can ask the questions and not just go off instinct. Um, anyway, that's a lot of talking from me. Let's get into some talking from November, October, November of 2020 when we delved into the text of The Table Round and the Siege Perilous by Emily C.A. Snyder. Written and developed in
3: 2019.
1: We auditioned in August and then um, rehearsed in September, went up in October. So we now come to the table round in The Siege Perilous by me, Emily (laughs) Emily C.A. Snyder. Um, I will be reading for Guinevere, although um, last year in October 2019, I was the writer director I was did not also take part because whew, I would, have, would have, no. um also, I am not an actor combatant, which will be Im- important as you will see in a minute. um this show was written uh, so first of all, actually, I want to thank Jen Carter, who is Guinevere and who originated the role, for letting me read her part in this series um and I'm looking forward to to Nick sort of like what you have to say about the writing process or, you know, the acting process, because, um, so I, as we actually had in our second Bard talk, which I believe will be Uh, out before this.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: mm -hmm, I tend to write with actors and this was sort of the most I've ever done that in part because the story was just so big. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. So we kind of ended up like LARPing our way through live action role playing our way through these plays And then I'd go and try to write it into verse as fast as I could (laughs) and then come back the next day and we'd rehearse it and then LARP and then, you know, the cycle would continue. Which, again, um, I had not realized that that was going to be the situation to that extent. Um, I I know better now. Um, I want to thank everyone that was part of that process and did not murder me Um, and apologize to anyone that it was that it was their hell and not their heaven to work that way. Um, but I know things now, many valuable things. <laughs> uh, and uh, and if I do that process again, now I know what to warn everyone about. And like LARPers only need apply. <laughs> if you do D&D, we're going to do D&D and create a play, more or less. <laughs> Improvisers only, please. Um, is there anything you want to say, Nick? Since again, um, so everyone that worked on this piece, Uh, They've got First right of Refusal because they really originated these roles. Um, So is there anything that you want to talk about in terms of the writing process before we start? The writing and rehearsal and performance process, which was like all all together. I
2: remember remember doing a a brief reading of what you had, like along the probably six months maybe before the audition, then rehearsal, then all that process.
1: Cause I had um, the first act and a half of the first play written. Yeah.
2: And I remember showing up to the first rehearsal after being cast as Lancelot and re, and what, this is, is one of the funniest moments. I was like, Oh, this isn't done yet. <laughs> this, is, this play is not only is this play not done yet. This play is maybe not halfway done yet. Um, and it being like this, this shock to me, I mean, Sorry. obviously like, I was like, well, no, I just, I had no idea what to expect. And I was like, oh, wow. All right, Well, we got, we're going to be getting new pages. This is going to be a lot going on. Um, but not realizing that the process was then going to, that the process hadn't completed on, on your own just as the writer mm-hmm. yet, because yeah. you you really wanted to invest in the characters that were brought to life by the actors and mm-hmm. the relationships that the actors were seeing between these characters and, and uh, what we were discovering. Mm. Um, so I think if you had shown up with something just purely written out and like, here it is and done here, here you're know, like and here we go, regular old rehearsal. I mean, I feel like that it probably wouldn't have turned out, I think as well as it did. Um, I, I think that you being like, um, invested in the, the journey we are taking as actors, <laughs> finding these characters sort of with us. Mm. Um, I, I think that the process was, I don't know. It's the only time I've ever done anything like that.
1: Well, it's true. And it was almost devised because like, so we're going to see a plot point that comes up here and we'll talk more about it in a second. But I remember we'd gotten up to a certain point right before the scene that's going to start us off. And I was like, we all sat around. I asked everyone, would you sit for a second? Okay. Who would be the worst person to have enter this scene right now? And we like tried it out. With, you know, what happens if so-and-so enters? What happens if so-and-so happens? And then we came upon this really interesting thing. So so the problem with this play and the reason why I, of every play I've ever written in my life, I could not write this without all of your devising input was that we found the, the choice you wouldn't think of choosing. But then that ricochets everything else that follows after. Like no one, so everyone, again, is just reacting to what just happened.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we we saw these characters, I think all of us, as this cohesive, like, Mm. being, right? It wasn't a bunch of, like, single entities that were not connected. It was this interconnected, interwoven, like, system of characters (laughs) uh, in Camelot. And, uh, I I mean, I remember a lot of those first rehearsals where there was a lot of improv going on. Mm -hmm. um, And, of course, I'm just like, wow, we, we go up in, like, three weeks <laughs> <laughs> and, and but like was, again, I cannot stress how it, it was this. It was a fascinating process because of this. Because like generally, you're you're inclined as an actor to panic because you're like, oh no, this isn't this is not going to like according to like whatever structured <laughs> way you would you would view doing like a new play. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I never I never panicked. Really? Open? Yes, because again, there was this like open line. Uh, the only the only thing I ever got worried about was just how little time we had had in the space with stage combat. But that was sure. I, mean, I I don't know any play I've ever opened and been like this fight's going to go perfectly well. <laughs> right, Peter. <laughs> right. so oh god. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like because you created this open line of communication, you were encouraging us because I, I, I had to. We're, I had to take the bus home, so I was on the bus for about mm-hmm. like an hour or and change on the way home. And every night, I would I would write down like. These new thoughts that had come to light about Lancelot, and you'd created mm. this open line of communication with us. You're mm-hmm. like, Send me these, I want these emails. I don't know when you slept, but uh, <laughs> reading all this stuff we were sending you um, because you
1: guys okay. did, which was lovely and so helpful. Because the thing you is, brought in right, yeah, you did, and place. you also took ownership of of the piece and of the process, you know. So, like Laurel was, you know took over really helping to run the music cues. And Mm -hmm. Regina was really taking care of the, the cast and um, three of you were really working so hard to make sure that because you're all actor combatants to make sure that every beat of combat was telling a story. Uh, You know, there was, there was no gratuitous, like, you know, motion that happened whatsoever, which yes would make some long rehearsals, but again, so much of the storytelling was was told through that. That if we got one of those pieces wrong, it would inform stuff that was being written for tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So uh,
2: <laughs> uh, again, yeah, that, uh, to audiences listening, this it was again the most fascinating.
1: It it really was like D anD. d I really yes. felt like the game master, and I'd be like, "Okay, guys, so like." you've got these three adventures, which do you want? And they're like, well, I want to stab the mailman. And I'm like, okay, so we'll throw my guidebook out the window. So we're stabbing the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you come up with the character of the mailman.
2: <laughs> and yeah, I remember the, the, the one night later in the process, we were already in the space and, mm-hmm. and you were like, and we're just going to spend these next, like this next hour. We're just going to go through, I'm going to finish these perilous tonight and i'm go- we're going to figure out what everybody freaking wants and we're going to larp it all right now everybody we're just going to do it really fast all right you do this now go and then that was and then you showed up and there was a play um,
1: <laughs> well you really have to thank laurel anderson and joe Rake for that because i was still going like i can't finish these final pages and it was laurel who was playing merlin who literally like sort of came up gently and went emily i have to memorize so i will stay here <laughs> with you while you talk out this play with me <laughs> and you will finish it and send it to us, which was the last thing I need, because by that point I was also really tired.
2: <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know? again, that's why I said, I don't know when you slept. Granted, like we all were, were were pushing it on both ends, but at the same yeah. time you were sending out paid. I'm like, this is 4am. When did she <laughs> go to bed? You know, like when did she start? When did she get, what is going on? No,
1: but the truth is honestly, um, because, uh, my body likes to be a nocturnal creature. Um, it, it sort of felt like my day would begin when I would get on the bus to get on the train to get to our space. And so I'd be writing, I'd be typing on the on the public transportation as fast as I could. Um, and then I'd get into the space and we, I'd send what I had of the script to you all. <laughs> And you all are reading off of phones and things and so many we'd,
2: copies,
3: of this so many
1: copies. <laughs> and um and it, we'd block it and we'd sort of like you know set print okay get that all down and julian lavalli who was our stage manager was taking copious notes because we were also doing this in the round so she just put in all the stage directions onto the the living script things like you know he moves to nine o'clock you know things like that um so that we have this the actual blocking, if we so desire to ever release that, um, and she took detailed beautiful notes um and uh and then you all would go away, and I would I would just stay and write till about four in the morning, get as much of it out as I could so that you guys would have a few hours during the day. Then I would take a ridiculously late train and bus home, and um then fortunately, I'm a freelancer, so I would sleep till like about one get up, uh, try to write some more, get back on the bus, go back up to rehearsal. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: Like,
1: yeah. That, that's,
2: and that's, yeah, that, yeah. I That, all that timing checks out with me. <laughs> of, <laughs> so. Copies of the play anyway.
1: Right, well, which is why, like, my theory is, I mean, Shakespeare was kind of rehearsing in the same way.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and that's what it, it, it felt. It didn't feel wrong at all. It, it, and, and, and I hope it doesn't come out like that. It was just, Mm. it it was, it was a a deeply creative thing that we all were really invested in. And none none of it felt wrong at all. It was, it was exhilarating. I love, I mean, I loved it.
1: But again, I do want to point out it is not everyone's cup of tea. And that is okay. Everyone works in different ways. I'm sorry, Colin. I cut you off.
0: No, no. It's it's just uh, this what you're describing. That I was, you know, the one in this conversation who wasn't there, Um, (laughs) which is going to be be invaluable. (laughs) Yes, that's true. As I listen, I'm progressively more bummed about that. But uh, (laughs) uh, but it reminds me, like this, what you're describing is a true a true ensemble piece, Mm. Um, and it reminds me of certain i've never gotten to observe it firsthand but i've heard stories of how some uh plays have been done at a place like looking glass theater in chicago Mm -hmm. which is intensely about their ensemble um and the director that's known for this is mary zimmerman who Mm -hmm. will divide like they'll take a story or a myth like uh ovid's metamorphosis i was gonna say metamorphosis or um they did i think they did the same thing with treasure island which i saw when i was in college nice. um and they'll have like they'll they'll have kind of what you did they'll decide what the configuration is and uh they'll have an overarching story which is like set in in terms of a a kind of a myth you know treasure mm-hmm. island is a fable mm-hmm. we have uh and then they will work out how that story is employed in the space together and mm-hmm. then the script is developed as it goes. So this is um, something that is not, uh, at least not foreign to Chicago. But yeah, it is a very, <laughs> it is very much uh, a particular way of of devising
1: De- devising um, script. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, is not a, usually we think devising work, and it still has like an element yeah. of like unscripted or the script lives only in your body. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I guess I, I bring it up just to like point out that this that that's not. Uh, it's not a weird way to work. It's perfect. It's like super. So legitimate. long as you know what you're getting. It's one into. Tony's. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's true.
1: Yeah. So okay. So let us jump in, and there's going to be a lot of stage direction. Go ahead, Colin, and, and take it. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, who's scave? Oh, scave. Scave. S- okay. Yep.
1: Scave is um a the <laughs> one of your cousin a woad. <laughs> Um, it's Guinevere's cousin, a a woman, a woad woman, warrior woman from Wales, a woad woman of Wales.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I'm guessing all of that page is sung.
1: So, well, it's sung if it's in capital letters.
0: Okay. Got it. Mm All righty. I think I understand it sufficiently. And And if we do, if it goes
1: weird, we'll just go back and then we'll acknowledge that it is that. Acknowledge that. Great.
0: I will otherwise, not familiarize myself too much. All right. All right. Here Restarting. we go. Restarting. Here we go. The table round, Act Five. Scene one. Interesting that we're starting with Act
1: Five. What? Okay. So,
3: <laughs> the, okay. yeah. The,
1: the table round as play one uh, is a, actually oh, yes. it was a six act play. And what you've missed before is that Guinevere and Lancelot like have had small little things, but in the middle of other court scenes
0: oh okay. um so this also is where it's like hey. well we also have
1: tristan and Isolde, sold and we have gawain and the green knights like we're this just covering
2: there's so much going on yeah they don't get oh, like wow. this alone scene yeah like it's scary. this is them alone for the first time
0: wait gawain and the, so you wove other stories into this yeah
2: oh well, all the characters okay. <laughs> were there. She put all the characters My into God. Camelot, and so she wasn't going to get rid of them. <laughs> so okay. everybody's pathway. Went, I see what's yeah. up.
0: All right, don't familiarize right. me too much. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, th- I think yes. I get it enough. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but this is from the f- the end of the first half of the duology. That's what right. We're, this what is we a play one. Now. Yes. Okay. Good.
2: And great.
1: <laughs> okay. From the pent-ultimate act of the first play. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay. Like, this was six acts, right? Okay.
1: Yeah. I believe play two is currently eight or, like, maybe even 12 acts. Something like that. But, like, really play two wants, like, this thing wants to be a septology or something. And I'm not going to worry about it right now.
0: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Okay. All right. The table round. Play one. Act five. Scene one. Lancelot and Guinevere Spar. The night after a royal wedding gone horribly awry, Guinevere enters the sparring field, no longer in her wedding clothes, but dressed once more
1: to fight. Can it be he doesn't want me? There's none before insulted me like he, though neither have I taken aught to bed for reasons less of passion than the state. What more should I expect? He kept his word, offered England, not himself, yet I confess, my nation safe... Myself do lack some human tenderness. Enter Lancelot, armed
0: for morning practice. Guinevere withdraws apace, watching him as he advances
1: on his target, till... If you pass through, you'll reach your target faster.
2: My lady, if you please...
0: He gestures for her to go, but Guinevere doesn't budge. He tries the move again, passing through as she suggested, begrudgingly... That's better? Yes. I know.
2: She goes to get a sword. About last night, your majesty.
1: I'd rather fight than talk.
2: I would not fight a lady.
1: You did when I arrived.
2: You had your woes atop the battlements.
1: I'll summon them if you will spar with me, or do you fear to fall as Arthur did?
2: Let me win. Oh, did he. My lady.
1: Nay, your queen. And I command.
2: On guard. If you wish it so.
0: I would. They spar, fluidly if mechanically at first, then faster. Guinevere gets in a hit. A dirty trick? Would learn it. Aye. (laughs) (laughs) They do the same pass again, this time Lancelot getting the hit before hesitating.
1: Extend your blade to mine.
0: And leave me open. Would have me vulnerable.
1: Would you rather learn or bicker?
0: A third time, a flurry of weapons and of swords. They're enjoying themselves. Lancelot goes for the trick. Guinevere counters it, disarms him, throwing his weapon aside. Her knife at his throat. The two very, very close. A deadly embrace. Lancelot grabs the back of Guinevere's hair, pulling her head up. He's learning to fight dirty. Their eyes lock. Until... Guinevere's attention is pulled to the side, as behind the knight, where he can't see, Arthur has entered, still drunk, from his failed honeymoon the night before. Arthur sees the tableau, catches Guinevere's eye, (laughs) stifles a laugh of disbelief, relief, everything. Unaware, Lancelot's free hand pulls the queen closer to him, daring her to slice his throat. (sighs) Arthur and Guinevere remain looking at each other. I, um... Before she can speak, Arthur nods, lifts his glass in giddy salute, presses a finger to his lips, and departs. An infuriated beat as Guinevere breaks free.
1: Another match. Another time. I'll have no sport today.
0: Why
2: hesitate? You ought to kill me. No. No. The day is yours. The man who slew your father, slaughtered brother, cousin, laid to waste your beloved unimportant country. kneels humbly at your feet. Why do you wait? I beg you, slaughter me before I see my Camelot conquered by some common stale.
0: Guinevere turns away.
2: Turn not your back on me. I beg you, let me die. Now you have all, Arthur, England, everything.
0: A beat. Guinevere drops her blade, turns back to the damnable, damnable knight, steps toward him and grabs his face between her hands, digging her fingers close to his eyes. His arms widen, Christ-like, waiting for her to snap his neck. She hesitates. She smiles. Lancelot looks up. She still can conquer this. With a bearing of her teeth, Guinevere swoops forward and crushes her lips upon the virgin knight. (laughs) He freezes, unsure of what to do. Something shifts as her fingers run through his hair and tentatively, still learning, Lancelot reaches for the warrior queen's flushed cheek, stroking it softly. As Guinevere breathes in, pulls away, strikes him across the cheek and storms off from the field. Lancelot, alone and on his knees, his world is somehow altered. He'll wait a little while as elsewhere.
1: And then we go to Egwene and uh, (sighs) the Green Lady. God,
0: that's spicy.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh man. Okay,
0: we let's go. Keep a gun started I know, yet. Though, right? sorry, I know, I know. Um Great. This I know I know your I know your uh what's the word Ouvre <laughs> My oeuvre? This is uh, this is uh this okay. Is let, a, let's let's great. Let, we'll, yeah.
1: we'll just keep reading for now, and okay. then we'll have. But yay! <laughs> yeah.
0: If re, dear listener, if you could see how red my face is.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you had to read all that. Okay.
0: That was <laughs> wow. Okay. <sighs> table round Act Six, Scene One. Okay, this is the next scene.
1: Uh, well, there's yes? a scene in between of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh, okay. Well, actually, with the Green Lady, but anyway, yeah. Okay.
0: So table round Act Six, Scene One, the Chapel Scene. Lancelot kneels in the chapel, praying. Quietly, Guinevere enters, still dressed in her night clothes.
2: Ave Maria, gratia plana, dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Your Majesty.
1: Please stay. I was looking for some comfort. It seems that I found thee. May I join thee?
2: I'm not your husband, Majesty. Mm,
1: But his most loyal knight?
2: And steadfast friend.
1: I'd have thy friendship too. And the friendship of thy God. Or anyone who'd have me.
2: Came you here to pray?
1: (laughs) The stones are silent here as everything, everyone is silent. Pray. Kneel. She does. A moment, then. King Arthur doesn't like me. My husband doesn't. hasn't. <laughs> wouldn't. Your Majesty. Perhaps you think I've come to seduce the virgin knight, shame my nation's butcher as the wayfaced, pompous, coward king hath in terms shamed me. I could, you know. There was a time before I was made a queen, I had my pick of woads. <laughs> Although. Your Majesty. I shouldn't speak.
0: She turns to go,
1: but...
2: You came to my god for comfort. May I not serve instead?
1: The thing is delicate.
2: As are we all. Please, speak.
0: She kneels. A longer pause.
2: Then.
1: I was wrong to kiss you.
2: Aye. Although the slap hurt more.
1: I do repent the slap, but not thy wounded pride.
2: My pride will heal. My shoulder.
1: Aye, my shoulder too. He touches her wound.
2: How deep. Realizing. Mon dieu, I I struck you.
1: It was worthy and well done. And more than Arthur. Not that Arthur.
2: A beat. Shame. And?
1: Am I a woman to you, Lancelot?
2: How could any man deny it? The king I do not know the cause. It is not thee. I mean, (laughs) yourself. Thou art. I mean, mean, you are everything a man could e'er desire.
1: Even with my blade?
2: Especially thy blade.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They laugh. Shift. Grow comfortable.
2: And if I may speak candidly. Pray do. If the king cannot see thy beauty. Guinevere, and the many qualities that recommend thee to a queen, I think that much a shame.
0: She looks at him, kisses him. It's impetuous, and immediately regretted. She pulls away.
2: That's twice now.
1: Aye, I do apologize. I will be gone.
0: One moment. He touches her, touch for touch. Kisses her, like she did him. He's learning. Her hand runs up his shirt. He mimics her. He's learning. The kiss grows passionate, almost something more, something sweet and tender. She stops and shoves him to the ground. Not like this. Not like this. From the cool stones of the church, Lancelot looks up at her, entirely confused. What has he done wrong? She hesitates. A goddess like the statues that surround her, panting breaths from both of them. She speaks.
1: I. I would not force nor take anything from thee.
2: Thou canst take everything from me if thou wilt take myself.
0: She grins. It's been a long time. I will. Oh, I will. Guinevere captures Lancelot's lips again before drawing him away to the shadows of the chapel. Just as Mordred enters, sees them. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Siege. (laughs) Siege. Perilous. Act two. Scene seven in the armory. Lancelot tends to gear as Scathe wanders through singing, taunting him.
3: Hey, 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 my queen. Hey, 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 my queen has conquered thee.
0: She exits left, humming as Guinevere arrives back in her sparring clothes.
1: Hmm. I heard Arthur gave his blessing and you are to wed cleaning his sword.
2: You did? Gave it most eager, too. I, I almost told him. But then what could I say? My lord, my friend, I betrayed you with your wife.
1: Am I his wife? I thought that I heard that toady Mordred mumble as he passed me in the halls. I swear he smirked. And though he tugged his forelock, yet I note he did not bend the knee. There's something wrong.
2: The world is wrong. The night that you and I, I've thought of it quite oft, more than a lane. it is thy face, my Guinevere, lingers like a mystic's dream, making all of Eden murky unless I look on thee. I wake, behold, the smallest touch of gold within the dewy prism of the sanguine dogwood tree and see a vision of thyself. Thy golden hair unbound and flowing freely o'er thy skin, majestical, oh so majestical, my lady, that I'm like one transported to thy fairyland, wound within thy branches, never to be free.
1: Mm, if Arthur said these things to me, he didn't starting to go, perhaps yourself could teach him, stopping her,,
2: and thou wouldst teach Elaine a hit.
0: She laughs, as his hands run freely up her arms, back into her hair, reveling in her beauty. His fingers linger gently on her cheek, and she doesn't stop him now. He looks at her, a question hovering in the corner of his lips. Guinevere nods, the answer quivering on her own. He tips her mouth to his, as, entering... Scathe says, This is no way to shame him. They break apart. Lancelot grabs his things.
1: Dinner. I.
2: My lady. Exits.
0: Huh. My cousin. I'll be gone. You'll listen, cuz, and stay. Scene continues. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <This> seems-
2: <laughs> I don't know what I'm enjoying more rereading all of this or just watching Colin's face. While I know, <laughs> like,
3: right? It's uh, so
0: yeah. Siege perilous act three, scene five, Elaine's honeymoon. Two act four, scene one,
1: Lancelot and Guinevere once. Okay. So don't worry about demarking the acts. Uh, yeah. Just be the stage directions and I'll sing. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Scathe alone as she walks her way
0: to Scotland, the song heavy, punctuated by her quarterstaff.
3: Hey, 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 my queen. Hey, 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 my queen has conquered me.
0: Elaine, preparing for bed, enters and joins in the song. Mordred enters with the bed things. Hesitates as he sees Elaine's eagerness. He bows and exits.
3: Hey, 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 my queen. Hey, 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 my queen has conquered me. The beat
0: changes, becomes insistent. Lancelot enters downstage. Elaine sits on the bench. Lancelot walks to her, takes off his vest drapes it on the bench.
3: And it's Oro. Soon shall I see the moheho See the Mo oh, see the Moho. Soon shall I see see the mist covered mountains of morning.
0: Lancelot reaches for Elaine, hesitates. She reaches for him, her hands beneath his shirt, he squirms, hoping she won't feel the scratches the queen that left there last night. <laughs> turns her face, it turns her in his arms so he's cradling her so she cannot see his face.
3: And it's oro. Soon shall I see the oh, ho see the mo, oh, see the mohejo. Soon shall I see, see the mist cover mountains, the mist cover mountains, the mist-covered mountains of.
0: Elaine, confused at his coldness, tries to stroke Lancelot's arms as he holds her tight and immobile. The music rises, high voices and low, rumbling and wild, and reaching the breaking point, as Lancelot makes a decision. Whirls Elaine to one side, and with a sudden shift of light, we're in Guinevere's chambers
1: You shouldn't be here,
2: no, where else am I to go?
1: Co drink a dram with Arthur.
2: No, he and I don't I have no one else to speak with.
1: sit How was
2: awkward. If at all, the things that you and I have done are not fitting for Elaine. I entered and she sat there, eager and arrayed. I snuffed the light, undressed, hid beneath the sheets and hoped she'd make request of what she liked. I could not stand to look her in the face. I held her closely through the night and said that we could wait. The morning lark could sing, I fled. I I do not love her,
1: Lancelot.
2: I do not love her.
1: Pause. You swore to God you would.
2: I swore to God I'd try. Hast thou no answer for me, lady? Thou hast my heart. My marriage was a sham, thine own as well. No priest presided over us, no consummation, none. We both of us are free to love. If thou dost. Love,
1: I don't, but wish thee very happy,
2: Guinevere.
1: There's more than us at stake, and what is more, if what we did, but once, was known by all, they'd burn me at the stake. Thou know'st is true. Keep mum, and thus betray thy wife. How canst thou so speak of love to me and still betray thy wife?
2: She is no Th- wife of mine.
1: Pause. Nay,
2: hey, that's too cruel. It is. What shall I do? Go to her. How? All that I know, have known, all that I learned from thee, I cannot confer unto Elaine, cannot take her manfully. She, she is too... As thou art... Dost thou not love me, Guinevere? Truly? Beat. <laughs> I... Hath thou used me?
1: Used thee? Used? I lost my... Cousin for the thing that we have done, done once, as I have lost my lord, the king. Who does not love thee. Who holds my nation in his hands, speak not to me of love. For all that I have loved, I have betrayed. Bethink thee who? My father, Arthur, country, all why? If I did love thee, Lancelot, I should not love my father, whom thou didst slay. Upon
2: the king's command.
1: If thou didst love thy king. Thou shouldst have stopped him, ere he conquered Wales. If thou didst love thyself, thou shouldst not have wed Elaine, Betrayed thy friend, murdered half the countryside, Nor stand here now, dripping from the rain, to say thou lovest me. How dost thou love me, Lancelot? Nay, who is Lancelot, if he be not commanded?
2: He is thine. I
1: do not want him.
2: No? Then why is thy body heated to my touch?
1: My body craves thy touch, my heart beats not the same.
2: I think
0: not so. I
1: will not have it so.
0: Lancelot stops, releases her hand. Then.
2: What shall I do without thee? (sighs) I'll look upon thee daily and not yearn. No longer speak with thee. Wilt thou banish me to a living death of silence? Please, Guinevere, if thou wilt have it so, say that thou dost hate me.
1: Hate thee? No, but love thee more that thou canst love thyself, dear friend. Friend. I, friend, a title that I've given to none before but scathe.
2: And where is she? (sighs) A hit.
1: believe that I do love thee, and wish for thee much happiness and good health. Pause. But not with me.
2: I don't. I... I can't.
1: I know. They
2: embrace.
0: Chastely. The rain continues, and they listen. She rests against his neck, breathes him in, nuzzles him. Once. Lancelot squeezes her hand, kisses her brow, stifles a sob. Once. A moment. They look at one another, Their fingers dance upon each other's waists as their lips strain to kiss. Their breaths entwine. Laces come undone with urgent tugs as they tumble like a waterfall into each other.
1: Once. 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 (laughs) Once. Once. Exempt. End of selection. (laughs) Oh, man. Hello, friends. Turn to Flesh Productions, which is our parent company in New York City that helps develop new plays in heightened text with vibrant roles for everyone who's underrepresented in classical Western art, is starting a new project called The Soliloquy Project. What we're going to be doing is selecting various soliloquies from some of the playwrights that we've worked with and featuring some of the actors who've become the best new verse actors in town and putting it on our YouTube channel for you to get a sample of some of what's being written in verse drama. But we know we're not the only ones creating verse drama. So we want to invite you as well, playwrights, actors, multi-hyphenates, to take one of the favorite soliloquies in new verse. Make sure you have permission from the playwright to do it. And if you are the playwright, and you're an actor, you have permission. And upload it on your YouTube channel, and then tag us at Hamlet to Hamilton. Or tag us on Twitter, Hamlet to Hamilton, or you can find us at Hamlet numeral 2, Hamilton. (laughs) Either one will work. But we want to see what you've been working on. You can also use the hashtag soliloquyproject, all one word. We're so looking forward to showing the world how awesome verse drama can be. (laughs) A <laughs> <laughs> little different. Little different.
0: A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> d- <little> d-
1: uh-uh. <laughs> I don't write erotica, really.
2: <laughs> we swear. Uh, again though, it's so interesting because like that was developed based off mm. of like what we were discovering. It's not like Emily wrote that and we like did it. It was like the it was a Like we we Yeah It was organic. Well, I mean it. we found it organically, and then,
1: then yeah. put it in the stage direction yeah. yeah um, I mean, as you saw, um the, the motion was half the poetry,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, oh, I love the, the fact that their first conversation here is a fight. Um, oh,
1: their very first conversation is a fight. It's just like three lines long where she thinks he's Arthur. And then he's got her on point and he's saying, call down your guards. And she's like,
3: what? I'm a woman. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's like, he don't even. Her, like he's got her
2: from behind with a knife to her, to throat, her throat, like pinned against. And like she th- thinks he's Arthur. And then she turns around and it's not his
1: And not then she realized, and she's like, I know who you are, you dog. Because he, in our version, as, well, as you heard, he... um. Completely decimated her tribe in Wales.
0: Yeah, that's a nice spicy little detail.
2: <laughs> yeah, but we 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 bit into that one. Lancelot the conqueror of of yeah. Wales, just well, like burning and pillaging.
1: Also, Lancelot, who's unable to, what you don't know is Lancelot can't speak to Elaine. Like he has sort of selective muteness. Um, and so all his scenes with Elaine are him just sort of like shutting up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and then
1: he walks in and can say this beautiful poetry to guinevere yeah
2: fascinating he struggles to communicate with elaine guinevere like
1: yeah yeah. I i just i love
0: what that opening fight between them sets up in their relationship, like the tone it sets and how much uh yeah like like i said god that's spicy you know there's so much uh the fight it's similar to some uh things that are employed uh to a similar effect in The Other Other Women, I think, Mm. Um, where one thing very seamlessly and unconsciously necessarily to the characters turns to something else. (laughs) Uh, And then they have to react to that as they realize it. Um, Yeah. That was delicious. Uh, It also reminded me, actually, of a, a scene... In uh, Sarah Rule's *Stage Kiss*, mm. where there's this, uh, not uh, I don't I don't think I, I can I can say this without spoiling a plot point, but there's this couple that uh, are ha- they have a strained relationship and they're opposite each other in a play. And during fight call, they have a major argument um, before oh, so the cool. the play within a play. Yes. and it was the first time I'd seen that kind of thing employed, and that. Uh, really stuck with me this reminded me uh, of that similar kind of um dual dual poetry in the movement and the text um
1: Um, yeah and it's interesting i hadn't realized how much they're in and out of prose and verse but the prose will include stichomythia and it's to Mm. the point where i'm not even sure if like maybe these are not prose lines but like two lines of like trimeter yeah, I'd rather w- fight than talk. I would not fight a later. You did when I arrived. You know. About yeah. last night, your majesty. You know, it's just kind of off. But yeah.
0: From a yeah, from an analytical perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the
1: thing. It, whatever was employed, well, uh, I'm biased because I'm a fan. <laughs> 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 but, well, but, but what do you see, Colin, since this was completely cold to you? What are the yes. things that you saw? Um it, just in terms of our tool boudoir, if nothing else. Yes, yes. Um, well, yeah, so looking at it
0: analytically, if we want to try and delineate what was prose and what was poetry i it all i i guess i, I can say it did- i didn't notice when it changed because it was all so justified um it just- any change felt natural um but maybe that was a, a product of the the poetry itself being fluid. Like I've got our page ninety three here. This was I notated. I highlighted this as you were going. Oh, cool. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, Lancelot fumbling with uh, the way he is addressing
3: her. I'm so glad you, you picked, picked up on
0: that. Oh, god, that was d- delightful. First, he says, "The," I mean, yourself. Thou art. I mean, you are. God, he can't decide what his relationship is right there that was amazing and then allowing everything to have its own line and be indented i i mean that's i know that's a kind of a formatting habit of yours or a, a tool you employ mm-hmm. um which i appreciate um as an actor uh you know just allowing everything to be its own thing then Uh, Hooking back into a man could air desire. Um, That was uh, delightful. Uh, (laughs) I I couldn't, I would not have thought for Mordred's only line to be, huh? But (laughs) now I hope I never see anything else. Uh, (laughs) You don't need it. You don't need more. Uh,
1: (laughs) No, uh, and we had already a six hour play on our. (laughs) <laughs>
0: so like, yeah. right.
1: Mordred uh, doesn't need a speech.
0: <laughs> right. Um, I love I, I noticed on R ninety eight the use of white space. It's quite nice. Um, also,
1: I'm trying some, to see what what was happening. On that. Oh,
0: uh, between. Oh, the both, We both about... of us are free to love. Oh, mm-hmm. if thou dost love, giving that its room to to land in the air. That mm-hmm. was. Uh, were uh,
1: useful. Um, do we say? I don't think we ever say "I love thee" to each other. The first time you say "I love you" is is in the negative. It's actually mm-hmm. um, oh. not "I love you," but it's "I do not love her."
3: Oh,
2: yeah. I don't think was, there's ever a moment that, that's really like "I love you, I love you." I don't think
1: that. Well, no, I I do say I I love thee more than thou dost, but like it's it's not it's it is any love is always qualified between these Mm. two. This is what I mean by it. Not just, I love the period.
2: (laughs) Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But what was interesting to me that I hadn't realized, that I I only could have realized after doing all these other Guinevirs is that while naturally speaking, they're set up to be constantly, as we were talking about sort of stopping each other and saying like, No, this way, No, this way, or I want this. I don't like that. That's written into the givens of their text. Mm -hmm. Um, is that I found, and I, I I don't know that this was intentional, but so I was surprised to find as I was reading through it, that again, I, I never felt as Guinevere that I was necessarily saying, no, I was saying like, again, it was qualified. It's like, not this way, not this way. I'm not saying no or go, but like, yeah,
0: that was even in, right. That was even in the stage directions. It was in the thought too. Not like this, Mm. not like you know. Mm -hmm. that had its own, uh, own space too. I have, I have a question, Mm. uh, as someone who's reading this for the first time. Great. Um, so on our 100, I, I see another big moment for white space in, uh, in a beat. So it says, Guinevere, I will not have mm-hmm. it so Lancelot stops, releases her hand lots mm-hmm. of white space then uh, mm-hmm. I think that's great i mean I understand what to to what effect that is employed mm-hmm. um, but I wonder why why then above that on ninety nine earlier utilize pause or beat um to what effect are those other tools employed?
1: That's a great question. I don't know.
0: Which is a fine answer.
1: (laughs) I don't know. It felt right. That's
0: yeah. (laughs) You're the playwright. I mean, that's the, yeah, that's a justification. Sure. (laughs)
1: Um, I mean, for the one on 99 between she is no wife of mine to nay, that's too cruel. Putting pause. There was more a matter of clarifying so that, uh, because if it, the way it would format with just white space in between, it would be difficult for Lancelot to realize that's still his line. Ah, sure. Um, If I didn't have something in between and then like re-slug that it's his line. And then, dost thou not love me, Guinevere truly, uh, like a beat, but in some ways like it needs to be on one of their lines Hmm. and it's more connected to the end of his line than it's connected to the beginning of her line and it's not yeah. between their lines. I don't I like
0: no, it makes but I sense. can't put
1: more white space there because it's the end of a line so there's already white space there. Right. So think, it it's kind of like with musical writing like That's what do, I was just going
0: to bring up. Yeah, it's it's, about it's clarity. a clarity. Diff-
1: Am I going to keep changing the key or will j- I'm just going to put sharps and flats in?
0: Well, actually I was thinking more of like this is it's a difference between a fermata mm. versus a half rest versus yes. a quarter rest. Um so versus that, these are, this yeah. is
1: complete silence yeah yeah
0: that's yeah that that works uh and another yeah. thing as as a reader mm. um that mm-hmm. uh, that I enjoy that another thing that I like that you just do often uh, is like all of these um how, however it's scanning at the time mm-hmm. whatever meter you're using uh
1: just if I'm using meter yeah
0: if if yeah if there is meter um having just like one or two words thrown back and forth <clears throat> between two characters. And that's especially uh, effective at the very end of our selection here. Once, 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 once. And that is, you know, at the sensibility of it is changing every time and you realize what decision they're actually making in what is genuinely the span of a line. That's I, yeah,
1: I just is- love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, I was struck as we went through how prosaic the language was, um, which I remember when I was writing it, I, I felt like, oh, I'm writing bad verse um, <laughs> just because it's, they, they will sometimes go into poetry. Like Lancelot will, like has his moments where he, you know, he's even doing the interior rhymes, um, behold the smallest touch of gold, yada, yada. Um and, uh, but something that I learned from this play is that in some ways there's like, there's, again, there's so much urgency. There's kind of no time to stop and like have long paragraphs of verse.
3: Right.
0: right.
1: Well, I think you're A, a you're poetic getting, verse, I should say. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think that you, uh, you I would suggest, I would posit mm-hmm. to you as mm-hmm. a theorist <laughs> that uh, in in this script, you actually found your way to some of the things that in season one, you came to formally define, uh because we're, you know, we can, <clears throat> we're continually returning to this idea of content dictating form. Ah. And I think that's fully justified here. Our con, because like I said, I don't notice it changing. Mm. It doesn't, you know, Shakespeare's not precious about his own viral reader, very large air quotes <laughs> rules. Uh, <laughs> and we don't have to be either it's like i i said in an interview or I, you know or said in the workshop shakespeare's a jazz musician yeah and yeah. his rules are can be broken if it if the story wants them to be and that's i think that's really what's going on here so whether it's in six which you know to convey passion or whatever and then changes uh i trust And I experienced as an audience member that that Mm -hmm. was necessary because the music was changing. The tune, literally the tune was changing.
1: Yeah. And and yet something that, so Julian, who again was our stage manager, but is also um, has her MFA in in poetry and is a verse playwright herself among many other hats (laughs) Um, as she would be there taking stage direction notes uh, on the text, what she was pointing out to me was that this play is like full of stick And, mythia, and I definitely felt that, that we were just constantly picking up the language. The other person puts down, you know, mm-hmm. even with I blade, especially they blade my shoulder, your shoulder, like, um, yeah, back and forth. I'm curious, Nick. So what are some of the things that, uh, like, what are some of the similarities from other landslots that are here or differences? Um, and also what is it like to, to revisit it? Cause it's been almost a year. It's over a year now. We would have closed it a year, like a year and a week ago. Wow. I know. Wow. Isn't that horrifying? Wow. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, no, uh, again, one of the things that I loved about, uh, this Lancelot was, uh, and you mentioned it multiple times in mm-hmm. the, uh, in the dialogue. Uh, not the dialogue, the uh, the stage directions, um, mm. constantly of him learning, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> and it feels like we're dropped into the very, very beginning of their relationship together in a way that we are not in the other plays. And you get to see this, like... Oh, you get yes. to see Lancelot, this pious god, you know, and justice warrior man who... <laughs> who... Um, you know, but it just doesn't know how to do the other stuff, you know, uh, and and the, the woman that he has, that he's crushing on in court, he doesn't know how to communicate with. And then mm-hmm. uh, immediately with Guinevere, where do we find them alone for the first two times? Fighting and in church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is
1: absolutely where he lives. You're right.
2: Which is the only reason that they have sex is because you're like, wait, they did it, in, like, that That scene started in a church? And I'm like, it wouldn't have worked any other way for him. Like, he wouldn't have been able to, like, open up and talk. He, like, calls her back in to kneel next. He's like, no, don't go. We're going to play. This is great. And, and that's when I was like, oh, yeah, duh, This scene only works because they're in church. Um And, uh, yeah, so I felt like we, we really defined the character, Um and then we get to see, the beginning of their relationship you know yeah. and see it start and then see where it, what it becomes later on and see perilous when you have them actually uh, there's are there's arguing they they don't agree and and he wants to do one thing and she's trying to do another and and they at the end oh, well, still but have,
3: neither
1: of them are trying to push each other away ever yeah
2: with their disagreements they, they 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 connect still right like they're not like leave me you know yeah
1: what's (laughs) cool is like there's no there's no jealousy in guinevere at all Mm -mm. like i mean she feels bad for elaine and bad for lancelot (laughs) like yeah
2: again she's she doesn't like this albeit western christianity (laughs) culture right this sucks this this whole like idea of like marriage and piety and And, you know, she's trying to save her people, obviously. So she's agreed to be, you know, wedded to Arthur. But at the same time, she's like, these rules suck.
1: Yeah, but also um, she doesn't know what to do with Arthur. Like, so in some ways, if she in that final scene, if she can get you in a lane, like, she she kind of loves you so much that she wants you to be happy.
2: Just to make it work, right? So that it, like, looks good and Lancelot's like, oh, there's a... No,
1: no, like, she would give you up. If if one of if one of us can be happy, like in this if this uh, Western thing could work,
3: mm-hmm.
1: like but then, I mean, there is that sense of just like I can't, I don't know. You're my person, dude. I don't know what to say.
2: Oh, no, and I think he's come <laughs> to the realization that that wouldn't make him happy. I mean, I, I,
1: well, that's what he makes obvious to her. And in that long silence, that's when they would just be connected, mm-hmm. you know. And that's when she realized, like. Yeah, that I mean that that her being happy for what she perceives as his happiness is not making him happy, and therefore, it makes her sad. But but it's not pity ever. It's just like, oh, well, okay then.
2: And 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 again, I still think like the the once 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 mm-hmm. scene is truly beautiful. Because, like, you see, like, this level of restraint, but it's not even coming from this Western idea of Christianity anymore. They just, they understand the risks that they're taking by doing this. And while they're not really not really fighting it, they're, they're agreeing to this, like, concept of it being dangerous, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and again, they feel very much, even in their disagreements, like they are connecting and on the same page.
1: (laughs) Um, well, they're trying to sort out how it's going to work. They're not saying go away. They're going new complication. So Elaine's in the picture. How's this (laughs) going (laughs) to (laughs) work? You know? Um, yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting, at least in the version that we have right now, the next time that we majorly see them, we don't have the, they're discovered scene, what happens actually is the focus goes on elaine finding out that in fact this relationship has been going on and then elaine confronting arthur thinking that he doesn't know
2: that arthur <laughs> arthur basically <laughs> i mean he doesn't push them together but he kind of does he right he
1: completely does well the thing is uh, you know in the beginning stuff it's not about like yes um, even from the first moment, Guinevere like gets Lancelot because again, he will fight her and she gets that and she can respect it as this sort of, you know, pagan warrior. So like, even though he completely killed her entire town, there's like an honor to that, you in know, in like yeah. she hates him, but she can hate him honorably that like, it's all clear. It's very clear about how, you know, warrior culture works. Um, and the confusing thing is this Arthur guy who like, okay, now I'm going to buy into like, now I'm married, now I'm yours. And you're not going to sleep with me.
2: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: okay. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, what? I signed, up for this. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: signed up for this. Right. So. um, So the surprise to find that she doesn't have to fight with Lancelot is, is lovely. Um, fight against him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought that
0: working in that background of uh her being uh from from Wales and from mm. a warring a, a warring people that uh Arthur's uh Conquered crown fought against. Yeah, that conquered mm-hmm. imparted like uh, it, forgive me if I'm remembering the nope, wrong character. Go command, for it. But Tita- like a Titania like uh, quality
1: yeah, sure. to her. The Titania the war- and Hippolyta, yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Uh from Midsummer where because mm-hmm. I, I saw um a particularly effective uh production of Midsummer that began with a sword fight between Titania and the, Theseus? the king. Theseus, yes. Mm, nice. Um and that's that's what it made me think of. Plot question Is yes. this the first of these plays in which we see the beginning of their relationship?
1: No. In the Hovey, I believe. It ah, right. there it is, good of old Hovey,
0: <laughs> friend of the show, Richard. But there's
1: also friend one. Of the show. <laughs> but there's also so we've got theirs, but we also have a few other ones in the Victorian times. We've got the one where, she, like, they kiss. She thinks it's Arthur. They kiss, and then she's like, "Oh, well, I guess I've now slept with you."
0: Oh, right, right, right,
1: <laughs> right. Um, so we've got those two. Most of the other ones, I think, like talk about it um yeah yeah. i I
0: found that i found that really thrilling about this one particularly Mm -hmm. the way the way it's 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 uh portrayed Mm -hmm. um i i just i really appreciated that this one doesn't take it for granted that oh yes we know that they're having they're a thing it's gonna be messy you know we get to see that develop in an organic way it doesn't presume that the audience knows the secret already.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting as we've talked about with ages for everyone. um, I feel like these are two people that are maybe like late twenties, early thirties. Like they, yeah, yeah, they know themselves. They're, they're peers. Mm -hmm. Um, But also uh, actually now that I say this, this is the first Guinevere who's in charge of her sexuality in quite the same way. Um, like, you know, she's had sex before, like she's, she has ripped <laughs> yes. through the woads, male and female, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's more her trying to like, understand this new sexuality and like.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, actually, that's yeah. a really interesting, uh. And she's teaching here. him.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, she's teaching Entire, him. She's and... entirely teaching him. He's the virgin knight. Like we get to yeah. see this virgin knight. <laughs>
1: Well, but I think in some ways she doesn't believe he's a virgin. Like I would, I would need to Im- actually embody it because it's a little like you can only get so much just reading it, or even just directing it, or just writing it. Um, but I would guess there's a moment in that first sparring scene when he touches her face, when what she realizes is not like is basically like, oh shit, he's a virgin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes it yeah. makes a lot of
1: sense. You know, but so that um, but the thing is, we were also contrasting it to Gawain and the Green Knight um, where he is sexually coerced by the Green Lady. And that's a scene that happens right after the chapel scene. So that's where like a late addition to that scene was her saying, I will not force thee or take anything from thee. And that's that's where he's, yeah, so important. And where he's like, "Uh, no, please, please take me.
2: (laughs) We have this beautifully like consensual thing, right? And like they both agree to do this. And, and I, uh, even though she's much more experienced than he is and like, they're figuring it out and, right. and learning. yeah. yeah.
0: And I, I wonder if there's then with that background for Guinevere, mm-hmm. that this Guinevere has the opportunity to discover something more to discover that tenderness.
1: Oh, absolutely. It, I don't think she's had a relationship with anyone ever. Right. Cause she's, you know, she's too high uh, status wise. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, I think she has sort of like, you know, I mean, relationship of like, you know, you're my brothers and sisters in arms and we fuck when we need to, but like, (laughs) it's, it's not a, and also I'm in love. Also I'm finding Mm -hmm. myself in love with you. And every time, and it's, it's not the thing of like, again, because we just did the other, other one, which is this woman like discovers she's in love. And, and it's like surprise, like, this is so, this is such a quiet love. You know, it's not a, I love the, it's like, It's just like, I mean, if if there weren't the complications around there, like they just kinda like, we're in the next step, we're in the next step. Should we move in together? Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
3: just
2: be, right? Just just be. be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, oh, this is working out. Oh, you're more than I thought. Oh, we have a little bit of tension. Oh, we work through it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And there's also (laughs) this concept of like after they're the discovery scene ish really it's the more the the court team with the lane and, and arthur and like they're they essentially escape ish right
1: they they escape together yeah
2: there's this quality of like they could have gone away and just been right but neither it's not in their character to like abandon
1: yeah 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 you know that again you know what's interesting is like yeah no there's no sense of like hate or like it, life is too short to hold grudges in a weird way Mm -hmm. in this world. Like, okay, you've done me wrong. Is it egregious? Like, is it unforgivable? Because like it, it like everything's so terrible that there's a certain level of unforgivable. And it is way beyond even destroying like my entire world. It's actually, I got to say, I'm finding it's a, and I don't know if this is just me because I, I wrote it. And so I'm being a little bit like, I don't want to talk about play. Um, (laughs) But this play feels in fact like there's there's like a, a a chasm of several like multiverse universes between this play and like like everything else we read still feels of a piece, if that makes sense. It feels Certainly. like they're all from the same world. And this one feels like not at all something from else. This, something else. Yeah. Am, I, am I dreaming that up? No, not at all. But not I at all.
0: fuck, all. am if I, I am going to swear, I fucking love that you do that. <laughs> like, that was when I – so, backstory, which, uh, well, is – if you've listened to one of our bonus episodes, you'll know this. But uh, when I saw um, – Juliet and her Romeo that mm-hmm. was like one of the most exciting things about it because there were can all of these canon changes that made the relationships so much more uh ju- both justified and intense um like Mercutio and Romeo all of that stuff I won't spoil they, it for you They Reeves.
2: were definitely uh, in a
1: relationship <laughs> in my version Yeah I yeah. I oh, well, okay.
2: moved to LA by now I did not
1: see it. I know yeah. uh, but well, I, I didn't. I, just, I didn't get to see your full Orlando, which you would have done. But that's okay. No. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Colin. <laughs> uh, but
0: yeah, I, I, so you, yeah, you referenced earlier all of the the tweaks to the canon, mm. the complications that were added in this version that create the environment for things to be so spicy. Um, which, well, which is why I think it feels different.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, to begin with, the fact that Lancelot is definitely a virgin that she's not, that she's pagan, that he's Christian. Um, Yeah. The game game changer that Arthur comes on, sees it and is like, and well, A, that he, (laughs) that he cannot sleep with, with Guinevere. And the reason why actually is because um, we take as serious, the fact that he is, uh, that he is dealing with the trauma of incest with his own sister. And so freaks out At having a bride. That's what the first four acts are about in the table round. That's why it's not till act five that she even looks at Lancelot because she's trying to make it work with Arthur. Yeah, but Arthur, like, feels broken. Um, And that's why he's relieved. Like, okay, great. Let her go off and be with someone. (laughs) Because what he's freaked out about is his sole purpose in having a wife is that he's supposed to have a kid. And because he doesn't know about his own kids, he thinks he's barren. Okay. So, in fact, why— this is what
0: I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. Ah! But this is why it was so difficult to write because, like, (laughs) the scene that I was talking about when we all sat around and I'm like, okay, we're going to have this sparring scene because I knew that they were both warriors. So I knew that, like, movement— was going to be more of Lancelot and Guinevere's dialogue than for any other pair of, of couples Mm -hmm. that they were going to connect on a physical level. Um, which is why we need an actor combatant, which is why it was so great to have Nick and Jen who are amazing actor combatants. Um, and then, uh, like I said, for, I I'm coming to realize I've done a lot more stage intimacy as an actor and as a director than most people do. So like that was my part of the puzzle. um, And, uh, because it's the same thing, you know, you're getting very intimate into the nuances of like, it's not just they kiss. It's like, this is what this kiss is. Yeah. That, you know, but as well, this is, uh, cause they worked out really the whole, like, I, I was just like, I need you guys to be in this position from fighting. Um, and so I think it was you, Nick, that was like, I can grab your hair and pull your neck up, which will help Arthur be able to see over your shoulder You know, then I was like, okay, but I need you to pull her closer for some reason. And then like, you know, so yeah, it was sort of like working through, okay, if this, then this, if this, then this, that you wouldn't figure out if you were just like sitting alone in your own brain. Definitely.
2: Yeah. I think the combination of like driving again, and it was kind of how the play the, the process of the playwriting that you had done, like certain stuff had, there was holes, right? There was like, mm-hmm. this scene is going here. And so like, we need to connect from here to here. And like this scene, I want this to be a scene where like Arthur is going to see this happen. Like, how do we make this, how do we make this occur? How do we accomplish all of these goals that we have with, right. with this with this scene, right?
1: All uh, these plot these- points have to happen
2: plot points, this character development, how does this all occur here? And mm-hmm. yeah, we, I, it was kind of really fun and interesting doing it that way. So like we need, we need to position it so that like Jen is literally facing this side of the stage. Which is the only part of the stage that Arthur can come in from, you know, <laughs> 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 and we need Lancelot to not be faced. So you have to be like facing opposite directions, close together. Pull her right. hair, oh, 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 there you go. You but pull also back,
1: guess we need to slow it down enough that the audience registers that Arthur entered but we need because I hate stupid characters. We need Lancelot not to be stupid and just holding because I need Arthur and Guinevere to like see each other across the room and the audience to register with that. Um yeah. and so you need to do an extra action. Like what can she be doing to keep all your focus on her so that you're not noticing when she's looking over your shoulder, but the audience could catch up. Um Yeah, because
2: this is yeah. her yeah, she. I think she put me on point. She had the, the knife to my throat, mm-hmm. and Lancelot instead of like just standing there, grabs her hair and pulls her closer.
1: <laughs> right, which is a perfect yeah. time for Arthur to enter because the that's going to look very differently <laughs> to him. Yeah, <laughs> than what's actually happening.
2: Lancelot's yeah. like, "Would you mind splitting my throat?" And Arthur's like, "They're getting it on."
1: Well, but I feel like <laughs> you were the person that gave me. Um, I forget exactly how you improvised it or, or, or maybe it was an email that you sent me, but you were talking about, you were the one who said, I, cause, cause we, we split it up. We got up to Arthur entering and then like that, there was a night in between and we came back. I, fe- this is my murky memory to do the whole, now you have Arthur everything speech, you know, will you not kill me? And you were saying to me, or you wrote to me, whatever you conveyed to me. Lancelot has no no reason to live past this point in the play, and I need you to have him say that. Um, And that's where that whole, you know, next (laughs) speech happens.
2: Yep, yep, yep.
1: Hello, friends. There is about a half hour more that Nick and Colin and I talked. We can release that over on Patreon for anyone who is interested in hearing a little bit more about the process. But I think this is a good place to stop. Something else that I would like to note, actually, because Colin brought it up before where he said um, that it was interesting to see these two characters get together and that it was not just inevitable and to to sort of explain why that was how i write as an invitation to you writers out there and um, and giving you food for thought to think about why you write what you write so somewhere in somewhere in this whole lockdown and this pandemic i believe somewhere in 2021 is when I realized that I actually am aromantic. Um, all one word, aromantic, as opposed to without romance, um, which you can certainly go and look it up, and we can drop a link um, if you want to learn more information about what aromanticism is and the whole aero spectrum. But as a consequence... That does affect the way that I write um, because it's part of how I see the world, which informs a lot of what I've talked about with Guinevere. Isn't it funny how we can go back and look at our own texts? But I think that what that means is um, because when I first told some friends, oh my gosh, I've been researching aromanticism and it's ringing all these bells. The first thing people said to me was, "Oh, well, that's so, I mean, congratulations, and that's awesome. It's good to know more about yourself." It's so funny because you write romance. And my thought was, "I don't actually write romance. In fact, I have great trouble watching supposed romances because I roll my eyes and I'm just like, "What am I what am I seeing? What is this?" Um, So instead, what I write is relationships, and some of those relationships have sex. (laughs) And then viewers sort of fill in a third color, a third note of the chord, and call that romance. So I would suggest that's why for me, going into this play, I actually was very concerned about dealing with Lancelot and Guinevere because they are seen as such a romantic couple with that sense of like, I can't help myself, I'm drawn to you, stars in the eyes, inexplicable, mysterious. And so I think I could only ever have written their quote unquote romance, what I would consider their love story, which is different, um, by going through and marking out not so much their romance as their relationship. And I would suggest for all of you out there, for writers, for directors, dramaturgs, producers, actors, whatever your specialty is in the performing arts, that it is, (laughs) to go back to some very, very ancient wisdom, it is worthwhile to know thyself. Because... The projects that you're drawn to and then the stories you're trying to puzzle out, it's a gift. Whatever you bring to the table is a gift to the better understanding of humanity. The more you can understand yourself, the more you find projects that resonate or challenge that and then that you work through and present to an audience, um, just the deeper we get into the communal project of, of discovering the different facets of humanity. Um, and I think that's that's beautiful and invaluable. There's a danger, I think, and this is where we get into tropes, into stereotypes, into to harmful things. If we just keep rehashing the stories that were told as we've been told them, rather than saying, well, is this true? And if it is true, why is it true? And if it's close to true, but kind of off, what am I trying to sort out? The job of the artist is similar to the job of the theologian or the philosopher. The job of the poet, the job of humanity, really, is to continue to dig into truth. And then not only... To better understand that truth, which is going to be broader and deeper than anything one human will ever fully encompass. But once you discover something, to communicate it, to convey it, to gift it with grace and generosity, and the understanding that you still have not found all of it. Anyway, that more or less concludes season two, friends. Oh, my gosh. We did it. We've been doing this for over a year. What? Crazy. Um, And uh, we will conclude in two weeks' time. We'll have sort of a little extra bonus of a roundtable, of the roundtable, with three of the living playwrights, myself, Daniel, and Lucy, chatting about our different processes and interrogating each other, all facilitated by Colin. And um, and then we're going to take a little hiatus. We will drop bonus episodes, um, stuff that's already been released to Patreon, frankly, um, once a month so that you still have something to listen to. If you would like to make season three possible, which season three is going back to theory then do consider becoming one of our patrons on patreon.com/Hamlet to Hamilton, or you can give us a shout out. You know the drill. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being out there in the world and for loving the telling of stories through verse, through performance. We're going to take a little break. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hamlet to Hamilton is a special project of Turn to Flesh Productions' audio division. Turn to Flesh is a theater company in New York City that develops new plays in heightened text with vibrant roles for women and those underrepresented in classical art. In other words, we create new Shakespeare plays for everybody Shakespeare didn't write for. Hamlet to Hamilton is hosted by Emily C.A. Snyder with audio engineering and sound design by Colin Kovarik and original music by Taylor Benson. Special thanks to our patron, Madeline Farley, for helping to produce this episode. Special thanks to Esther Williamson for transcripts. To learn more about us or to support the podcast, visit hamlettohamilton.com or sign up to become a monthly patron by visiting patreon.com backslash hamlet to hamilton other ways to support include leaving us a great review on apple podcasts or spreading the word about us with the hashtag hamlet to hamilton or h2h using the numeral two in between are you a verse playwright an educator an actor an interdimensional space traveler with a love of blank verse well we want to hear from you you can join the turn to flesh community and the community of Hamlet to Hamilton by finding us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram at Hamlet to Hamilton or at Turn to Flesh. Thank you for joining us, dear friends, for all things true, good, beautiful, and frequently in verse.